What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Untold Hype. Welcome back. What's good with y'all? What's up? So with you, Devon? Nothing much. I'm just enjoying this day. The weather. It it's getting closer to your favorite season, the fall. The leaves are falling down. What do you mean? It is fall already. Oh yeah. Well, it's starting to feel more like fall, even though yesterday was like 86. It's still a, a tad bit humid outside, it is. but something about the fall season gets gives me like a pep in my step. I don't know if anybody else feels this, but it's like I start feeling more inspired. I'm like, want to do more activities. Like, let me find a hobby. That's nice. I don't <laughs> think I feel like that when the fall comes. You do start acting different, though. I do. I mean, I heard you get excited the other day when the hurricane came through and the next day it was like crisp oh. air. Oh, yeah. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some there's some good things about it. Yeah. Well, thanks for giving me this um, coffee this morning. Yeah. No, I need to make another cup for myself. Mm. But yeah, I I'll be it. all right. Need it. Mm-hmm. Needs that. So, did you have anything interesting happen this week? I know something interesting happened. What what happened? <sighs> this is a question you ask me a lot. Um, you haven't asked me in a long time though. Usually we like ask this in like our marriage meeting, right? Or yeah. sometimes you just ask me randomly. But and I'd be asking our kid, anything inter- interesting <laughs> happened at school? And then I'm like, really? oh, what's something that's fun that happened? Because she's always thinking about fun. Oh, okay. So I try to rephrase it. Does she usually give you something to say? Does she, does she usually give you a response? Yeah. If she's already eaten her snacks. <laughs> no, because the other day. Because she don't want to talk when she eats her snacks well, in the car. Well, some, well yeah, that's true. Because sometimes like when I pick her up and I'm like wanting to ask her about her day and stuff she's like stop talking <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like okay i understand <laughs> i get it yeah that's fine she'll hunger like, and sleep she'll be like oh stop talking well and she's really saying like stop asking me questions yeah. <laughs> like i don't want to talk right now yeah which i respect that but yeah <laughs> but we we can't say that to her though no nope. what to stop talking <laughs> not like that no yeah i'll she'll be on the, I was the, on the phone yesterday and she has this thing where, like, if <laughs> if any noise is louder than, like, what she's trying to listen to or, like, watch, mm-hmm. she's like, it's too loud. Can you stop? It's too loud. Can you stop talking? Can you? And I'm like, girl, you are fine. Yeah. Like. You in my house. Just go in the other room if you don't want to hear. Yeah. Or, like, if we have people over for dinner and, like, we're laughing, have a good time, she's like, it's too loud. Yeah. It's too loud. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, we're having fun. Yeah, we're like, just teaching her how to be a human. Come join in. Your space is shared. Yeah. There's other people here. No, that's what, I, okay. that's what I said yesterday. I was like, Gianna, I live here too, okay? Like, I can talk if I want to talk. Yeah. It's so funny because I feel like this is off topic, but it'd be so easy for us to just be like, girl. Shut up. I pay the bills. I know. Like, just be mean. That's not right, though. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, so something interesting that happened. I mean, nothing interesting happened. I've just been busy with work and life as per usual. But I would say, you know, you went out of town last weekend for a work retreat. And I just, yeah, I got to spend quality time with the girls, like just me and them. I think this is the first time I really like spent time with them Mm. both Mm. for a long period of time. I mean, it wasn't too long. It was like three days but mm. that's the longest that i've been alone with them um since joel has been born our baby and it was it was a good time 
it was a good time. It was so chill. We went out to soccer That's good. on Saturday. They were great. Um, I could tell that their love tank was full because oh, wow. yeah, I just I put Gianna down to bed um, one of those nights. And usually when we put her down, she's like wanting us to cuddle in bed with her all night. Like she's like, I, I want you to lay down with me longer mm-hmm. after we already been there for like twenty minutes. But when I put her down, she just didn't say anything. Yeah. She's just like, okay, good night. See you tomorrow. She's and it's content. like, yeah, because I knew that like her love tank was full. So I was like, oh, this is so nice to just like, especially in the midst of like our busy season. We, I feel like we talk about this every episode, but um, just to be able to have like a slow weekend and like we did nothing but just hung out, went to the park, mm. went to like a little festival, um, church, little festival, like in the next neighborhood near us it was small but it was like fun for our daughter um so yeah i just that was like probably my high or like the most interesting thing that happened i mean i sorry i have nothing else to share that i can think of right now i've just been really you said something insightful too yeah well i'm just (laughs) i've been swamped with work so i'm just like um i went to the coffee shop and did work (laughs) yeah but yeah so that's something interesting i guess that is interesting i'm glad that y'all have fun i'm always concerned how y'all are doing when i leave out of town <laughs> please so, we got this yeah her <laughs> love tank was full that's insightful yeah but anyways before i start talking about that yeah my week was good so had a work retreat with these students take them to the mountains to spend time with god hear sermons teaching jesus does the same thing every year People get saved, people get healed, people get delivered, um, mm-hmm. people grow in their faith. It's a catalyst. And this was the largest one we've ever done, ever. Who? Uh, this retreat in, uh-huh. our, in, the, in our region. Cool. That sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah I it was great. I missed it this year. I typically go with you, but, you know, yeah. a lot going on. And the weather was nice, it looked like. Yeah, the weather was good. I mean, it was kind of hot for a retreat. Usually when people think about a retreat in the, yeah. In the mountains, you think what? it's going to be kind of cool. But how was the air? It was hot. Uh, was it humid or was it, it? I don't remember, honestly. I don't remember if it was that humid or not. So you tell but me. But it didn't feel like traditional fall retreat, you cool didn't breeze tell, Yeah, I was going to say, you tell me you, didn't, you weren't wearing a hoodie? Yeah, I was wearing a hoodie. I'm always wearing a hoodie. <laughs> Unless it's the summer. And yeah. then I might still drop a hoodie on it. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's hard for me to get hot. Hoodie all year round. Stay cool, yeah. But it was great. I mean, there's so many stories. Mm. Um, so many stories. Yeah. I mean, a girl got healed of scoliosis in her back. Mm. Uh, uh, a guy got his foot healed. There's many people that got healed. Uh, some people re- rededicated their life to Jesus. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. This guy that I met, I mean, you know the story. This guy that I met um, randomly bumped into him around the city. And, uh, you know, we were starting to connect. He happened to come to the retreat. He dedicated his life to Jesus. And through prayer, he said he got delivered from his addictions. Mm. And that's rare to see a miracle like that. Usually it's a process. But he's like, I lost my taste for weed, for all the stuff that I was addicted to. I lost my taste. So he would say prior he was addicted. That's what he calls it. He said it was an addiction. Wow. Yeah. And I have some context, kind of what he was going through. Yeah. 
And so he's like, yeah, man. He's like, instead of going to this, I'm reading my Bible. Like, he still seems different. Usually, it's about 48 hours yeah. after a student comes back from retreat. You come off the mountaintop. You come off the mountaintop. Literally. And if you don't have any follow-up discipleship, you fall back into the same things. Yeah. You know, because there needs to be action that goes along with the transformation. Right. Um. <clears throat> so, anyways, yeah, that was amazing. We're still hearing stories about what God did. That was a high. Yeah, that was interesting. A yeah. lot of uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of, of interesting, interesting things. A lot of interesting stuff. I've yeah. heard. I heard some stories, but that's cool. That's exciting. I'm glad. I think. I think what's cool about that story is that you were, you told me how like you would see him around. Yeah. Um, like in random places, like places you weren't even supposed to be, or right. he was supposed to be. Right. You know, like the gas station, or the grocery store. Um. And I think it's just cool to see how God just like actively pursues us. You know? Yeah. And yeah, he does. He's sovereign. It was clear that God was running after yeah. him. That usually happens to me. I'll bump into people in strange places, you know, like God will allow me to see, oh, I'm actually reaching out to this person. Yeah. But with him, I, it was rare. Yeah. Gas stations I never go to. Right. Timing. I mean, we're leaving the city. Stop at this gas station. Yeah. If, Three thirty minutes. If I went thirty minutes too early, I <laughs> yeah. would you know wouldn't run into him. And then he and then he told me he was like, yeah, when we ran into each other, I was right about to go get you know turn up, get drunk, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, well, I next thought thing was, you know, brother wants to get baptized. I mean, it was also cool to like because how he got connected with you was that his girlfriend came to the campus ministry. Yeah, she rededicated her life, right? Yes. And then said, okay, but I got to get my boyfriend. Yeah. And then I met him that, that very night. night. Like like a cut, like an hour later. Like an hour later going to get some food. And you ran the into them. And I ran into them. At the restaurant. And that was the first time I seen him. Yeah. So it's like, okay, bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but that's cool because. God is good. Yeah, for real. I was thinking about. He active. I was thinking about when I first came like when I first began my relationship with Jesus and I gave my life to Jesus, how I, I don't know if this is, let me know what this is. Is it just, this is a fresh thought. Okay. Okay. I just felt I like fresh thoughts. I was seeing God in every single thing. Not that we don't right now or can't, but I feel like I would like run into people like random people and they would like speak something to me mm-hmm. that I was just like thinking about like, and it's like, Oh wow. Like, yeah that's confirmation like i had like someone had gave me a note that they had like slipped in my bible yeah and one day i was like thinking about something and then like it it fell out of my bible and i read it it was like a note that was like relevant to yeah you know just like these these moments um where we're just like experiencing god and like everything and like we're having a lot of encounters and it's like i don't really experience that much anymore yeah so i think i have yeah keep going I have two views on that or two points about that. One, I think in the conversion experience, God is sometimes he'll overwhelmingly speak. I mean, it's like, you know, Jesus says in John three, you're born again. The spirit is like the wind. We don't know where it goes, where it comes. And so there's a mystery to it. Like you're just things are happening. You're seeing God. It's like being a new baby. You know, infants are crying. They're they're stimulated. You're alive. You know, I think that's part of it. But I think God also uses that to initiate us and to spur us on in our faith mm-hmm. to say, this is real. I'm right. hearing God. Like my spiritual senses are open now. I have ears to hear, eyes to see. 
But I also think there's a place that God gets us to where he's like, we got to mature. Yeah. Now I'm saying, seek me, seek my face, develop a discipline. You got to eat some meat now. You got to eat some meat now. We got (laughs) to get off that milk. Yeah. Um, But I think you can encounter God every day through his word, through his people. It's just, are we expecting him to speak? And when you have that faith and expectation to speak, you'll hear him all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you have the expectation when you're new. Right. Yeah. So. On this topic of being allowed to change, what's a time in your life or what's a scenario in which you realize that you were allowed to change or you were resisting change or you didn't know that you could change? Hmm. Good question. Take us back. Take us back. Yeah, could have been two months ago. Honestly, it's interesting. Yeah, because I say now I'm constantly in a state of mind where I'm like, I may change my mind in a matter of an hour. (laughs) I may change my mind in a matter of a day. And it scares me sometimes when people are like, yeah, I remember when I was like talking to you or like I was, or like from high school or something. And I remember this and I have no recollection of it. And I'm like, Oh God, what did I say? What did I do? Like, I hope they're not judging me based off of like maybe how I used to be, you know, it's, it's a scary thing, but it's fine. I'm secure. Um, (laughs) because it's like, I, I just realized recently, I'm like, I'm allowed to change. I can change. I will change. I'm expected to change. I remember when we first got, well, not married, we were engaged to be Mm -hmm. married and we talked about this before, but how one of my family members told me not to get married. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're like, don't get married because people change like who you're going to marry. Like he's probably not going to be the same, Mm -hmm. you know, things always change. People change. And I remember being like, oh, dang, that's scary. Yeah. And me coming to you saying like, hey, like so-and-so said I, we shouldn't get married because, you know, people change. And you were like, remember what you said? Kind of. But <laughs> maybe I don't remember the exact phrase. We were like, oh, I hope we change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, I we, hope change. we change. I, I hope I do change. Yeah. Shoot, I and hope I'm not the same this month as I am in March. Yeah, I'm co- I'm constantly, but me in general, I'm constantly looking to grow. I'm constantly looking to get better, whether that's work in my relationship with God, because I know I have a lot of work <laughs> to be done as a mother, as a wife. Like I am constantly looking to change, and I feel like that's not really something that I embraced until like recently because i would say that i'm am kind of used to be more so someone who did not like change and i can see how there are people out there who just like refuses to change because they want the comfort of of what they're used to yeah especially in this world where like as life goes on in our culture like things are always changing even as we age like Mm -hmm. things are always changing so i can see the fight to like have something remain the same because it's just like not as much work one thing that comes to mind right now it's gonna sound kind of cliche but when i became a mom and there's a lot of changes like natural changes Mm -hmm. you're bringing a child into the world and you are attached 24 7 to this child Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know in the Mm -hmm. early days of of its life constant leadership yeah constant being a life supply to your child Mm -hmm. um and 
adjusting to that for the very first time was really hard. It was a huge change. There's hormonal changes mentally uh, that affects a new mom and your mind is changing. Your feelings and emotions are changing on so many levels. It's just like like so much change all at once. Um, But I fought to hang on to to just like I just fought hard against change. Mm hmm. Like, I was just like, I'm not going to let my life change. I'm not going to let this baby change my life. And what do you mean by your life? What are you talking <laughs> about? What are you hold on to? Like, I'm still going to, like, be interested in the things I am. Or, like, I'm still going to have my independence. I'm still going to, like, have my career. Like, I'm still going to, um, my marriage. Like, I'm just, which is okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I was just, like, I was not adjusting to the change that's necessary and inedible. Mm-hmm. And it really just caused more, like, stress and anxiety to mm-hmm. my life than already than already was there. And I think I, I wanted comfort because, for me, life was always changing. And in my mind, I used to think that, like, nothing wrong is ever, like, there's nothing wrong that's ever supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, I should get to a point in life where I have my stuff together, quote, unquote, yeah. which meant, like, I was always happy. I was always satisfied. I was also always um, good and I made it and nothing will ever like nothing wrong could ever go wrong. That's what I thought that like growing up and having your stuff together looked like. Mm. But we realize like life happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really <laughs> life happens. Simple. And so whenever we would go through changes, like something will come up or like this family member that I haven't talked to in years is like reaching out. Yeah. Like bringing in kids and that dynamic just changes so much, whether it's our relationship between one another Mm -hmm. as parents, as spouses or with other family members. It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to handle that. I don't want to deal with that. (laughs) Um, it's okay to accept change and be able to use that as an opportunity to like grow and mature. Yeah. And, um, it's okay that my life is never the same. It's not going to be the same as it was pre-children. Yeah. And that is okay because God is calling me into a different season. Yeah. You know, for the rest of my life. Because I will, I will be a mom until the rest of my life. Yeah. And that's okay. Perfectly fine. It's, it's all a part of God's will. Yeah. You know? And also, there's times where, like, I have to remind myself what God has done for me. That is the one thing that doesn't change is God's like faithfulness. Praise him. God. Yeah. And him and how <laughs> he's come through for me, even me going through like first year postpartum with our first daughter, even second daughter, um, <laughs> you know, going through the challenges of us when we were getting this house or like times where I thought that like, wow, are we going to be able to pay this bill, you know? And then like being completely fine. And it's yeah. like, why was I freaking out? Like you were fine. God provided, you know, God yeah. came through and like provided a miracle for that. So sometimes it helps me now that when unexpected things come up, I'm not as worried. I mean, I'm naturally worried at first, but like I can remind myself and be like, I'm good because I've never been without. Yeah. Like that's huge. I've, <laughs> you know, yeah, he was faithfulness in the past. Yeah. I was like, he's brought me through this. I can, yeah, endure this. And I'm going to be okay. And any anytime I face, like, a challenge, I'm always able to, like, I feel like I always have to take on this mindset, like, okay, well, what can I learn in this? Yeah. You know, like, how can I... How can you grow? How can I grow in this? Like, yeah. what, can, what can this really teach me? Like, even when I was breastfeeding and 
that was the hardest thing I ever had to do. And I wanted to give up immediately. I was like, um, this is, this is awful. Like postpartum depression. Then I'm experiencing DEMER, which is like a dysphoric milk injection reflex. Like, um, yeah. Basically your mood goes down as you're breastfeeding. Yeah. It's all hormone related. And um that was awful then you're like bleeding and it's hurting and then you're like stuck to a baby at all times and then your boobs hurt at all times because you're constantly making milk so it's just like it was hard on all levels and I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna give up I'm just I I can't handle this which is fine you can any woman out there you can yeah put your mental health first but for me I forced myself to um I just forced myself. I said, I'm going to make it to six months. After six months, I'm done. I was like, well, I'm going to force myself to do this hard thing because I don't like to do hard things. And I typically quit. <laughs> like, uh-huh. talk about people who have, like, grit and, like, perseverance. Not me. If anything's too hard, no. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Yeah, that's talk- not all the way true. I was ta- But you yeah. don't have the grit and the resilience that you want. Yeah, you I guess. You see the gap between where you want to be and where you are. Yeah. Well, I was talking If you to- didn't have grit, we wouldn't be married. True, you're right. Yeah. Especially dealing with you. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was talking to a friend last week, and I was saying like, I'm just not naturally competitive. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not the type to be like going hard. Yeah. Because if I said competition was good, but anyways, keep going. Well, just meaning like, I know what you mean. I'm not gonna give it on my might. Yeah. And okay. try to like and and give it my all, mm-hmm. which that's one thing that I wish I had more of because. Like I said, I just felt like I gave up easily on things. But mm-hmm. um, if I'm like, if I'm not confident, I'm like, I'm not even gonna bother. And one, it's probably has something to do with like, I don't want to embarrass myself or like, I don't want to fail. I'm afraid to fail, mm-hmm. and what that can mean for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I said, okay, you know, I'm gonna force myself to breastfeed for six months, as long like if if as long as I'm not gonna kill myself doing it. <laughs> and <laughs> you thugged it out. <laughs> yeah. I and remember. I made it to six months and I was like, wow, like I just felt like I really needed to prove that I can do a hard thing. And that really I felt like now every time I do a hard thing, I'm like or I have to do a hard thing, I'm like, Oh, I can do this because I breastfed. Yeah. <laughs> Twice yeah. for six months, you know, like so I mean all the, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's related to your question. I'm not sure. I think another thing that motherhood taught me too, I mean, it, it was so much on so many levels, which is actually pretty amazing. But I used to kind of judge, not judge, but I had this view on mothers. Mm-hmm. Maybe my relationship with my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I became a mom, I felt like I understood my mom so much more. Yeah. And like, I just empathize with her so much, like so differently than before because... Me and my mom weren't super close growing up. We, you know, butted heads at times. Now we're really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just, like, opened something. I don't know. It just, like, opened my eyes. I was like, whoa. Yeah, you got to be in her shoes a little bit. Yeah. And I'm like, I can understand why times were hard. Or, like, why stressful moments came. Or, like, why... There were times where I'm like, is my mom about to lose her crap? You yeah, know? yeah probably. Like, yeah, and I'm like, I'm about to lose my I know. crap. <laughs> I remember my mom would say something like, oh, you want to see crazy? I'm going to show you crazy. <laughs> you want to act crazy? I'm going to show you. And I was like, what? But, you know, also realizing that our parents came from a different starting point than us. Yeah. So a lot of them had uh, l- l- less privileges or they had to pioneer something or they had to establish something. And then a lot of times we're standing on the shoulders of their sacrifices. 
Yeah. And so seeing them where they were at helps you to be like, man, they did a great job. Yeah. You know, it just helps like, you. They, un- like, they're human. They're human. And I'm not saying like you, it excuses anything. Oh, yeah. Or like yeah, they're yeah. like, like sure. are like everyone's parents are perfect parents, but it's like yeah. people, they, issues, people sure. do the best. I believe that parents do the best with what they got. With what they got. And I did hear a counselor say that it people just, try the best with what yeah. they have because all the baggage you get. Yeah. Up. Yeah. I mean, one, it just allowed me to just like feel for my mom and empathize with her. Like, that's it. That, on the basic level, I'm like, you know, I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. So, and I think also other moms too, maybe I've seen them like, why are you, why do they act like that? Why, why are they like, so weird about this or like or even why are they giving their kids a tablet at the dinner table i'm so not gonna be oh yeah <laughs> that mom yeah yeah <laughs> you know and uh yeah, that is yeah and every now and then we go to the restaurant we're like here just take yeah, it home you're please so exhausting yeah it's just, easy yeah yeah but um I so i i think that really helped me to see too like oh i can change my mind and i'm not in when i'm judging somebody or when i'm I guess judging when I'm judging someone, I'm like, well, I don't know what it's like to live their life. Yeah. So because being a mom taught me how to be less judgmental, honestly. Yeah. Like I, like I feel like now I have a mindset of like, you know, it's none of my business really. Like I don't know what you're going through. Like, and I expect the same for my life because I feel like I've had, People who maybe have criticized, not criticized, but I can tell there's a little bit of judgment of me as a mom. Yeah. And I'm like, well, if you ain't a mom, your opinion does not matter to me because you don't know what it's like to be a mom. So it's like, if you don't even know what it's like to be a mom, like I'm not offended. Yeah, that brought up a lot of interesting questions, but maybe that's for another time. That's good, though. (laughs) Did that answer the question, though? Like, and I think that's, I think really when I became a mom is when I realized like, yeah, change is inevitable. And I don't have to, as long as I have God who never changes, like, I don't have to fight, you know, for stability. My stability is, like, knowing that the Lord will always provide for me and meet my needs. So. That's good. That's good. I mean, it's a constant reminder. I have to constantly remind myself. Yeah, or God's reminding you. Yeah, and I always, yeah, true. God's reminding me because I've always, I always, I, another thing that I always have to remind myself is like, I'm not missing out on anything. That's a hard one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is what God has for me, and I'm not missing out on anything. Yeah. And then while that missing out <laughs> stuff, they say uh, comparison steals joy. Yeah. You know, how can you be content if I'm always looking at somebody else's stuff? Yeah. Also, like when you were like, I hope we change. I also think that made me realize, like, yeah, I hope I do change. Yeah. There's, I would say maybe, like, when we got married, I mean, there was very little that I liked about myself. So, I'm like, I would like to like myself a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I hope that that changes. And for I real? hope that, like, yeah, I can just grow and get better. So, for the sake of my spouse and my children, so. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. Motherhood. <laughs> That makes sense. I feel like so many women grow because motherhood, if you commit to your child, does force you to take on a responsibility that is selfless. And a lot of times that actually changes us for the better. Mm -hmm. 
it creates new habits, new ways of thinking. It has the possibility to do it, huh? Yeah. Uh, So I I think think and God can, especially if you have God, like God can use suffering to make you better. That's one of the main ways he does it. Yeah. Not by giving you the suffering, but because we live in a world which suffering exists, he takes the difficulty and uses it to form you to the image of the son of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I mean, the son of God, Jesus Christ. What is something? What is something significant that has changed in your life, in your mind? Yeah, a lot. Um, a lot. <laughs> I think one is what it means to be a son of God, and how I view myself. Identity, maybe identity formation, mm-hmm. in my relationship to God as a father. Years ago, I realized that. I didn't like them. I didn't like myself. Yeah. And I always wonder, like, why is it important to like yourself? When I hear people say that, it always made me, I felt weird about it. Like, who cares? <laughs> but now I get it. Identity matters. Yeah. How you view yourself matters. Uh, so, yeah, it was when we did counseling. That was probably the when the light bulb started to turn on. And one of the questions was, what's the biggest problem in your life? And I wrote me. <laughs> And I truly believe that. And yeah. a lot of times for Christians, I feel like it could be confusing if you hold to this view of total depravity. Probably most people don't. What even, does that mean? No, yeah, it's probably irrelevant. <laughs> but basically, some people see it as there's nothing good in you because of sin. But I think a more accurate view is sin has affected your whole being, your mind, your will, your spirit and your body. Like your whole being has been touched by sin. But it doesn't mean that you don't have anything good in you. Examples you're still made in the image of God. So because we're made in the image of God, his image, we have innate dignity and value. Some people, some Christians, the way they see sin is there's nothing good in me. So we'll say something like, there's nothing good in me. You know, the heart is wicked and desperately sick. Like my heart is wicked, but Christ says, I'll give you a new heart. Right. All right. Jesus says, I give you a new nature or God says, I give you a new nature. So I feel like some of my religion or my beliefs about the faith, was mixed in with my shame and personal condemnation and it created a stronghold a force a fortress in my mind how did that that show up for you like Uh, give examples so not feeling like i was good enough um when it came to like just in general anything i'm not good enough to god i'm not good enough to my friends i'm not good enough to my spouse after i got married i'm not good enough to world standards I mean, there was a, a session that I did when I was becoming a missionary and we had to write down all the men, not the women, just the men, <laughs> uh, the 10 most painful events in your life. Mm-hmm. And when I wrote it down, the 10 most painful events in my life, and I advise anybody to do this because <laughs> typically that's going to be your most embarrassing and shameful events going to be in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had to determine what was the thing that we believed based on the event that took place like 80% of the beliefs that I came out of those events were I'm not good enough and I can't trust people. Mm -hmm. So my view of myself was highly shaped through I'm not good enough. Yeah. That's like a framework in which I'm going to filter everything through Mm -hmm. your mindset. Like what? Mentality. So if, if I send, it's going to reinforce I'm not good enough. Someone feel condemned instead of convicted for my sin. Does that make sense? Um, yes, but I'm trying to like 
I want a real life scenario. I feel like sometimes we're oblivious to these things okay. that we're even doing it. Yeah. So, hmm, a real life scenario. I mean, it could be. So, if you're married, mm-hmm. if I have this negative view of myself, if you correct me on something, or you mm-hmm. say, Devon, you know, you said you were going to do this and you didn't follow through. Mm-hmm. I need you to do better. If I have a view of myself that I'm not good enough that correction or that you telling me something I did wrong, I might add it to my life as an identity statement that, oh, this reinforces I'm not good enough. Instead of like, oh, you messed up. God still loves me. God still accepts me. I can grow from this instead of be destroyed by it. And it's not an identity statement. It's just a. What do you think could be like the, because usually our thoughts are tied to like an action. Like our beliefs can be tied to an action. Mm-hmm. how it plays out mm-hmm. like if i'm if, I'm, cor- go, yeah. if I'm correcting you and i'm like hey like you said you're gonna do this and you did it like mm-hmm. you're not gonna just tell me out loud oh i guess i'm not good enough yeah yeah you know like so that could <laughs> honestly that could look like triggers for people a lot of times what we call triggers is i'm getting angry i'm insecure mm-hmm. you know what i mean so follow the trigger all the way back so that could that could turn into a over response to what you're saying Mm-hmm. taking offense trying to defend myself mm-hmm. no but this this is trying to justify it yeah because the pain point is i'm not good enough so i want to i need to show that i am good enough so i have to justify myself and i have to make up for it mm-hmm. uh if it's with work if if i have a bad work week mm-hmm. i don't like doing detail oriented task oriented administrative oriented things mm-hmm if I have a belief that I'm not good enough, if I don't feel competent in doing those things in order to avoid the pain of feeling like I'm not good enough, I'll just escape and avoid those things. So that could be a temptation. I'm not going to do these hard things. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do these things that are necessary in my job or whatever in my life. Well, you'll procrastinate on procrastinate it. Procrastinate on it because I don't want to fail at that or I don't want to be not good at that because it's going to reinforce my belief system that I'm not good enough. Yeah. But if I realize that God loves me and accepts me and I like myself because I view myself based on how God sees me, mm-hmm. it's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. It doesn't, it's not, it doesn't change who I am, my status. It doesn't change my identity. Right. I could be okay with growing and not doing well at somebody at something. Yeah. Because my performance is not making me acceptable. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so athletes deal with that a lot because literally your values attached to your performance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, that's that was a belief system that I realized that I had. And that shaped how I viewed God and how I view God as mm-hmm. a father. Yeah. Uh, because it would drive me to perform for God and then. God would seem like a taskmaster instead of a loving father who loves me unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I started to realize that I was at this conference and they were talking about sonship and the fatherhood of God. And I was like, I don't resonate with this. Mm. And I remember talking to God, I was like, I can't make myself see you as a father. Like mm-hmm. you're going to have to, something needs to happen. Yeah. Can you do this? And I remember talking to my friend. And he said, I just asked God to send me. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and so I started to learn what that means. This might be too long, but it's okay. I read a book by Jack Frost. 
Jack and Trisha Foss titled Spiritual Slavery to Sonship. Mm-hmm. And it was really good. Somebody advised that to me. Uh, I started meditating on scriptures about sonship and love. You know, one was, I think, First John 3. See what manner of love has the Father lavished upon us that we might be called children of God. And that is what we are. And they don't know us because they didn't know him. So I would literally quote that to myself multiple times a week. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to memorize it. I was trying to write it on my heart yeah, so that I would believe that. And I know what John's saying. I listened to a sermon on it to get in insight and revelation. John is blown away that God would call us children. So he's like, can you see what manner of love? This is amazing. But that wasn't real to me. So did that for years. Mm-hmm. I still I still say it, you know. Yeah. Um. So there's a lot. But I realized that shame was deeply entangled in my identity. And I needed to receive and accept the identity that God had for me so I can view myself the way he viewed me and not think about myself all the time. Yeah. Through the pain of condemnation and shame Mm -hmm. and some of it is like i needed inner healing god needed to heal the broken places in my heart yeah those scenarios that happened me forgiving myself or i i usually don't like saying that but me accepting god's forgiveness and me being okay with it Mm -hmm. so yeah that's the process of change that i'm still in but i'm a lot more secure i'm a lot more secure now than i was years ago and god's real as god's love as a father is a lot more real to me than it was years ago, but I still have a decent amount of ways to go. Yeah. How has that, but how has that experience, how has that experience like allowed you to grow as an individual, like Mm -hmm. as a man too, Yeah. you know, and how that affects like your day-to-day life, your day-to-day life, aside from just knowing like, okay, I'm a son, I'm more secure now. Like how, Yeah. yeah. How have you allowed, how has that practically play out? You know? Yeah, a lot of ways. So if I'm secure with who I am and who God has made me to be in my relationship with him, I think about myself less. So it's easier to, I mean, I could give more practical situations, but it's easier to care for somebody else because I don't feel the pain as much of feeling inadequate my, in, in the sense of like, I'm not constantly going there in my mind. What so about a if marriage? Succeeds, what about a marriage? Can you think of a scenario in our marriage? Yeah. So I think the shame piece hinders you from receiving love. So I always say this pride makes God stiff arm you, shame makes us stiff arm God and stiff arm other people. So as God is healing me and transforming me, when you, so if you correct me, it's not an identity statement. I can grow from it instead of be like butthurt about it and become bitter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I'm not ashamed of myself. That's right. I'm 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 becoming free of that. I'm putting my trust in Christ. I can at times love you and care for you even when you're not being loving. Or you're not you don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Because I'm secure in my relationship with God and I'm becoming content in his love for me. So I don't need to get love from you. Yeah. Now Yes, we're in a relationship where I have actual practical needs, but the more I'm satisfied with God's love for me as a father, the less I need to draw from you in a relationship. Mm -hmm. I'm not coming to you for security. I'm not coming to you for 
to make me feel like a man. That yeah. was a big thing. Like I remember uh this girl, this this lady, uh she was a student. I think I was a student, she was a student. And I must have said something around her like, Oh, I don't feel like a man and mm-hmm. her with her sweet voice, this white girl, I remember, she was like, You are she was kinda like an older soul. She's like, Divine, you are a man. <laughs> and in that moment I realized like, dang, I'm insecure. Like I don't think I've passed the rite of passage to be called a man. You yeah. Know? And so if I realize, oh, shoot, God calls me a man. I'm biology. Biologically, I'm a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, God and his word calls me a man. I'm doing becoming the man of God that he's made me to be. You know, I don't need to be challenged by you when you're leading better than I am or when you're smarter than me in a certain area. And I don't mm-hmm. need to feel like insecure about it. Yeah. I don't need to try to grab for control to make myself feel like a man. Mm hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like a practical one was when we realized that you were better with money, not money, but you were better with uh, numbers than me. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay. So when it comes to finances. And that's just cause like I can like keep track of our, all of our accounts. It's like, yeah. It's like a memorization it's thing. Like organiza- it's like the organization. Excel file. Yeah. Organization, the administrative. Yeah, yeah. So there was a time where I was like, we were struggling and how we view finances. Mm-hmm. And I was like, screw it. Like, I'm tired of hearing this. I'm just about to take over the finances. I'm doing all this. Like, I'm not trying to hear no complaints. Boom, boom, boom. And my mentor was like, bro, if she's better with numbers, mm-hmm. God has placed you in a marriage and you guys have strengths and weaknesses. Basically, it was like, get over yourself. Because <laughs> you felt like because you were a man, you had to also exactly. that you had to do the If finances. I was a man, I had to do the finances. If I'm a man, I have to keep the numbers yeah like there's other aspects of leadership and manhood that Mm -hmm. are valuable that come to the table Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying but if i was insecure i'd have been grabbing for control yeah and it comes up every now and then i have to remind myself okay like that's not all to you know (laughs) yeah um manhood is more broad and deeper than that yeah but all that's a shame thing right and so i yeah i mean it still happens so if i tell so if i tell you I think you never, you didn't take out the trash like I told you to. Like, mm-hmm. that's very disappointing. Or like, I don't know, something like that. What's your response now as opposed to what it was before? I mean, on a good day, most <laughs> days, I think I'm, it's just like, okay, I can learn from what you're saying. I don't have to hear <laughs> what you're saying through this lens of I'm not good enough. Yeah. Because our shame and our belief systems form how we hear Mm-hmm. the world and how we perceive the world and how we act as a response. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so really how to deal with shame and pride is whose eyes matter the most. Mm-hmm. Is it God's eyes that matter the most or is it how I view myself? or? Other? Yeah. And that's really how you get to the foundation of it. So, yeah, it's deep because it deep, affects deep. my work. It affects everything. Your children, it your back friendships. Up. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm still growing every Mm -hmm. now and then I'll fall back into this striving. And when God gets me down to the bottom of it, I'm like, Oh, I'm still (laughs) trying to prove to the world and to myself that I'm good enough. Now it just looks like spiritual. Now it looks like are people getting healed when I pray for them? You know, how many people are coming to the ministry? You know, when I preach a sermon, do our people changed and God's like, yo, I love you. I accept you mm-hmm. rest in that. Yeah. You're good enough. You don't need to do anything else. Yeah. 
to prove to me anything. And I literally have to say that to myself. Identity statements. Mm-hmm. I'm a son. What is, what is my identity? One of them is um, I'm a son with nothing to prove. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing to prove. I don't got to prove nothing to nobody. Do you find that you have more peace and joy like through that? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But it takes a constant meditation, getting, spending time with Jesus, spending time with God, unhurried time. That's big for me Mm -hmm. to remind myself or for him to remind me of who I am and who he is to me through his word and through prayer and corporate worship and being around other people and stuff like that. Yeah. I think confession is a big piece of that. When you start confessing your sins to people and they still love you despite of you, you see, oh, God still steps me. Yeah. He loves me, despite of me. A lot of that love comes through other people. Right. So, so yeah, I think the, the greatest, I think one of the greatest wars or battles on my identity comes from being too hurried on my peace and all that. Just when you're just moving too fast. Yeah. You know, it's like, what's driving you? Is it performance? Is it something else driving you? Is it Jesus? Probably not. So one of the things I realized is uh, Christianity is expressed differently in different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of us in the West, when we think about what Jesus did, we think about it in a legal sense. He came, on, died on the cross. My sins are forgiven. Now I'm good with God. Right. There's a whole gospel presentation based on that. And so we tend to see God, our relationship with him is like a courtroom. I'm in a courtroom. I'm guilty. Christ paid for my sins and I go out of the courtroom free. He gets condemned. That's beautiful. That's actually true. But that doesn't get to the heart of what God wanted. He didn't just want us to be in a courtroom and get cleared. Yeah. He wants us to have a loving relationship with the father. Yeah. Right. That was the whole point to have a spiritual family. Yeah. Right. To have a real family. And so if I always focus on, oh, am I a sinner now? Am I not a sinner? Am I good with God? Am I not good with God? If I'm only focusing on the legal aspect of my relationship with God, you miss the joy and the beauty Mm -hmm. of being in the household of God, being in the family of God, being a son and Jesus being your older brother Mm -hmm. and your friend. You miss some intimacy and some beauty there. Yeah. And so that change of thought and perspective or broadening of perspective really helped me Mm -hmm. to not constantly evaluate myself every day mm-hmm. you know we get up we're in the courtroom every day and it's like there's no peace there's no joy in the courtroom you ever been in a courtroom mm-hmm. ain't nobody like there's joy when justice is served mm-hmm. you know but it's 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 a painful scenario it's serious it's yeah. not like fun loving right and so god's will is not that you wake up in a courtroom every day but right. you wake up as a son or a daughter right every day yeah so in light of what we have said <laughs> are you allowed to change? Yes. It, it, but God says you can't change, that mm-hmm. we need to change. Uh, and so, yeah, Jesus was canceled on the cross mm-hmm. <laughs> so that we didn't have to be canceled. I'm grateful for that, um, his sacrifice. And this is the untold hype. Yeah. This is the untold hype that God is a lot more gracious and merciful and yet at the same time just than we can imagine. And that justice was poured out on Christ. So, yeah. Thank you all for tuning in. If you have any questions, 
or any comments. We would love to engage with you and talk with you. And hopefully this encouraged you and blessed you in some way. And we will see you next time. See you Tune next in. Time. <laughs>